Blog Talk Radio. and around the world, streaming live on the internet, it's Real Estate Coaching Radio, bringing you the latest news, interviews, and secrets of the top producers. Hosted by award-winning real estate coaches, Tim and Julie Harris. All right, Julie, we are back, and welcome, everyone. We are broadcasting live, 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 here on February 28th. Live, we promise. <laughs> From Austin, Texas. It is a beautiful day. It's going to be 80 today in Austin, Texas, which is really nice. But the uh, winter is finally turning the corner. Now, winter in Texas is not like winter in where we used to live, Ohio, but still. I say, you're it being kind of mean here. In damp. <laughs> I know. I started to talk about the temperatures and I started to feel mm. guilty. That's the reason I tried to record, uh, redirect myself. <laughs> yes, and we're getting news from all of our really hundreds, if not thousands now, of coaching students in California that you guys are fearful that all the rain's going to, in Southern California, all the rain's going to cause you to slide off into the ocean. Fear not, you know it won't last long. So <laughs> use this time where you're spending huddled in your house. Uh, listening to Real Estate Coaching Radio to prepare your business plan if you haven't done so yet, and also a great time to get in contact with past clients. Oh, and here's an idea for all of you, regardless of where you are in the country. The last day, that would be today, and the first day, hey, guess what, that's tomorrow, are always the best days to be prospecting expired listings. Expired, now, as we, expired Palooza once again. There you go, and it's expired Palooza. Yeah, that's right. You have to celebrate the end of the month, celebrate the first day of the month, because in your MLSs there will always be the highest percent or highest number of expires. Now, remember, we warned you the other day, make sure you're not violating the laws on the do not call list, because there's every reason to believe that our industry is going to be very much targeted for agents and brokerages and mortgage people and whatnot that are violating, flagrantly violating the do not call list, which is, let's be honest, a lot of you guys do, and a lot of you are being told to, and a lot of you are frankly, being given bad advice that will result in $11,000 fines. Oh, side note, I read actually yesterday night um, about a brokerage on the East Coast that was fi- uh, fined, I think it was $700,000. I'll have to put that on the blog, Real Estate wow. Insider News. Yeah. So, Julie, you and I have a lot of ground to cover today, so Julie's coaching corner is going to have to wait till Monday unless you have something really compelling to share. Completely fine. I've got some good okay. stuff. I'll save up. All right, good. So the topic of today's show is arguably one of the most, I think, controversial topics if you're paying attention at all to the real estate industry right now. And we're talking about something that's probably even more controversial than the whole buying buyer leads trend, which I think we have really made clear. Um, You know, I don't want to get on that rant again. It's very easy for me to do that. But the idea of you guys buying buyer leads, if you have not gotten it clear in your head that that really is insane, please go back and listen to past radio shows. Or even better yet, if you want us to explain to you how you should never be buying leads, then just go to freecoachingcallsforagents.com, freecoachingcallsforagents.com. And hey, guess what? Julie and I have left ourselves in rotation for another two weeks, so you guys can literally schedule free coaching calls with us, but our spots fill up, and generally speaking, you have to schedule a week, if not two weeks in advance. So go to freecoachingcallsforagents.com. And you can schedule a free coaching call with Julie, myself, or any of our – well, we only have a handful of our coaches up there for now, but we're going to be putting more up there soon. So the question is, on everyone's mind, what the heck is going on with the Mortgage Debt Relief Act? Julie, I sent you that link from realestateinsidernews.com. Do you have that in front of you? Yep, I do. And, guys, 
you guys, I've, uh, the, essentially the outline of today's presentation is going to be based on a blog article that I pieced together. Um, it's not going to be winning any Pulitzers, but it's, the content's all there on realestateinsidernews.com. You can go there, read all about what we're going to be talking about today. So the big question is, is will the Mortgage Debt Relief Act be extended? And the answer that I am absolutely 100% confident in sharing with you is yes, it will be extended. There are currently, by my count, six bills in Congress, different congressmen have proposed the extension of it, and then there's at least, from what I've been told, uh, one or two uh, Senate committee sub-something or another. I'm not really up on all the Senate mumbo-jumbo, but the bottom line is the Senate is also considering extending it on their own. My information is coming from the best sources that there possibly could be on this topic from the National Association of Realtors. So they're going to be releasing articles on the extension. They're going to be talking about it, but I'm sharing with you now that I suspect, well, by the way, they had originally planned on getting it extended in January. It was part of another piece of legislation that, you know, how Congress operates. It's no secret that it's not the most efficient organization in D.C. Uh, is that an oxymoron right there, by the way? But in any event, so the point is is that they didn't get it extended, um, and it wasn't because there wasn't support for it. It's because it was part of other political wranglings. So now, like I said, the bill's been uh, essentially reproposed, or different congressmen have, are championing it. You guys can read about it if you want to hit Google and just put in Mortgage Debt Relief Act extension. You can read that really all the major banks, major, you know, every sort of political mover and shaker, they're all saying, what the heck, this is insane that we haven't extended this. And most of the pieces of legislation that I've read are proposing to either make it permanent or extend it for at least another 24 months. Wouldn't it be nice if we don't have to talk about this topic for another two years? Okay, but in the meantime, what is going to happen is it will get passed. I'm hoping it gets passed before June, and it will be made retroactive. So everyone be clear on that, that there's every reason to believe that it's going to get extended, um, and it will be made retroactive. But here's the question that I had, and normally on Fridays, obviously, we, got, we cover all your guys' most, I think, pressing questions, and this is one I personally had probably about a dozen times, so I just made that the topic of today's show. What if it isn't extended? So first of all, we're going to break this up into two sections. The first one is I'm going to catch you guys up, and actually Julie is because she's going to be reading this mm -hmm. stuff. She's a better reader than I am. On all the stuff that is actually happening with the current state of the market in terms of underwater owners, lots of confusing information out there, and it seems even some of the people in our industry are confused about what to believe and what not to believe. So I've spent, as I always do, considerable amounts of time picking through the data points and uh Frankly, I think I put it in bite-sized pieces for you guys. So, Julie, you have the notes in front of you if you want to just jump right in. You got it. Uh, shall I start with facts or? Yeah, start with see. facts. Okay. Let's start with the facts. According to most recent numbers, so remember, everything on our blog is updated when you're reading it. So recent numbers, nearly 10 million people were underwater on their mortgage in the fourth quarter of 2013, collectively owing $657 billion, with a B, more than their homes are worth. The negative equity rate fell to 19.4% at the end of the fourth quarter from 27.5% at the same time in 2012. 8.3 million homeowners are either slightly underwater or slightly above water, right there on the edge. These homeowners represented 18% of all U.S. homeowners with a mortgage as of the beginning of September. So, uh, you know, Tim, when we do these numbers, it's easy to, like, rattle off millions and billions and how many – I mean, 8.3 million homeowners, think about how many that is. 
most of our listeners live in towns between, if you look at the suburb they're in, maybe 5,000 to 25,000 people. They're larger Julie, towns, your, maybe a half million, Julie, right? Julie, yeah. Julie, check your chat. Okay, check your chat. So, okay, yep. guys, so here's, here's really to summarize what Julie just said, and I want to make this really clear. First of all, before my, we my jump back in the My point is there's set, plenty. <laughs> But go ahead. Before we jump, before we jump back in the stats, and I'll, Julie will pick up there. I just sent her in chat in case you guys were curious some updated stats that I just found when I was doing some homework. So um, the California exception, the Internal Revenue Service (IRS) recognized that the debt written off in short sale does not constitute recourse debt under California law, and thus will not. It does not create so-called cancellation of debt income for underwater home sellers for federal tax purposes. I'm telling you this because if you are in California, um, you are, frankly, again, we uh, want you to always seek the advice of an accountant, a CPA, a tax attorney, and whatnot, and make sure that you are not uh, giving tax or accounting advice to any of your clients. It's absolutely, and, you know, guys, if you don't get this by now, you better sure as heck be telling your your, uh, real estate sellers the underwater owners, to seek professional advice. But this is the overview. You can give them this information and then always say, now go talk to an accountant. All right, so, again, following the IRS's clarification, the California Association of Realtors sought a similar ruling by the California Franchise Tax Board. Now the Franchise Tax Board's clarification, underwater home sellers also are assured that they are not subject to state income tax liability, resulting in tens of thousands of distressed home sellers from California tax liability for debt written off by lenders and short sales. Okay, so what does that mean? That in California, you are basically not going to have to be stuck with any sort of, uh, regardless of whether the Mortgage Debt Relief Act is extended or not, in California, you will not be getting a tax bill. And I know a lot of you, thousands of you who are in our coaching programs, are in California. California is our biggest state by a country mile. And as a result of that, you guys need to be clear on that. And again, I'm going to say this for the fourth time, I think. You absolutely positively have to be seeking the advice of an accountant, a CPA, tax attorney. Go to the IRS's website yourself and inform your clients to do the same thing. Don't be in a position where you're giving advice that's outside of the realm of your real estate license, unless, of course, as some of you are, you are an accountant, a CPA, or a tax attorney. Oh, okay? That's true. I do have, have two both. personal clients that are accountants for real, and that's different. Yeah, and, exactly. You know, that's, so then you're qualified. Also, yeah, and the, the uh, conversation about don't call yourself a, quote, expert because that's a legal term. You can still do your job as a professional real estate advisor, but you're going to be smart and advise them, as Tim said, to talk to an attorney or an accountant. Part of that reason is, just like all real estate transactions, all of their financial situations are different. And, it, you know, that kind of gets you out of those conversations anyway. Your job is to get the house sold. But back to you, Tim. Okay, so now in the second part of today's call, guys, we're going to radio show. We're going to be getting to the specific facts with regards to what happens if the Mortgage Debt Relief Act isn't extended. So we're going to be talking about something that, frankly, all of you should know about. But again, just be giving your, make sure you're giving your owners an overview of the facts and not playing accountant, not playing CPA, and things of that nature. So guys, we will get to those facts in just a second. Is coaching right for you? And how can I guarantee it will work for me? Chances are you are asking yourself those questions right now. I'll answer those critical questions for you in just a moment. But first, let's be honest about something you may have always suspected. You've probably always known that the nation's top 1% of realtors, you know, those millionaire agents you see on TV, they possess a secret knowledge that the other 99% of agents do not have. 
where did they learn what they know? And more importantly, how did they learn how to put this closely guarded information into money-making action? It's simple. They have a coach. Not just any coach. The nation's mega millions, top 1% of the realtors know that in order to maintain their almost unfair advantage, that they must have their own personal coach, a proven market-tested coach who has truly walked in their shoes, a coach who has worked with many of the nation's leading agents. At this point, you're probably ready to maybe try coaching. However, you don't want to be unfairly locked into a long-term ball and chain that coaching contracts can give you. It just makes sense that you should be able to try it before you buy it. Even more importantly, you want to have a coach who is the best of the best not someone who is simply assigned to you, or even worse, has never sold real estate. Can you imagine? If this is you, I have something for you right now that is exactly what you have been looking for. For the next 48 hours, Tim and Julie Harris Real Estate Coaching is offering you a free coaching call. This is a real coaching call with a real Tim and Julie Harris coach. Now, while you were thinking about it, why don't you visit us online? at freecoachingcallsforagents.com to get started. Once again, that is freecoachingcallsforagents.com. Now, let's be clear. This exclusive coaching opportunity is only available for the first 50 realtors who are stone-cold serious about their real estate business and know that in order to succeed at the highest level, they must hire a coach. So don't wait any longer. Take action now and visit us again at freecoachingcallsforagents.com to schedule your free coaching call. Again, that's freecoachingcallsforagents.com. Thanks so much. See you all soon. Okay, so I'm going to pick right up where Julie left off. 8.3 million homeowners are either slightly underwater or slightly above water. So let's just term those for today's radio show as near underwater. These homeowners represent 18% of all U.S. homeowners with a mortgage as the beginning of September. Now, the reason that I put that in the blog article, and you guys can read that on your own, is because it's important that you understand that um, the news articles that will be coming out over this weekend that are talking about the fact that there's like 3.4 million fewer people underwater there is a big difference between being not being underwater and having enough equity to sell, let alone having enough equity to purchase your next home. Now, I'm going to say that again because it's really critical that you understand that. So let's say somebody in you know Columbus, Ohio, or Omaha, Nebraska, they have been underwater by you know $50,000. And over the past seven years, let's say their home equity has, has recovered to the point where they're par with the mortgage. What they owe is what the house is worth. That doesn't mean they can sell unless they're willing to write a check because, as you guys know, let's just say 10%, it costs 10% to sell a house between the realtor commissions and the taxes and all the whatever local, you know, conveyance fees and all the rest of it. So it's going to be 10%. So that means that unless the person has the ability to write a check for 10, you know, 10% of the sales price, they can't sell. But let's say that they do. Now, the secondary problem is if they wanted to purchase another house, they're going to have to then come up with that cash again someplace else. 
So, sure, it is definitely good that a little over 3 million people, as a result of the last 12 months, are no longer underwater in their houses. That still doesn't take into account the 10 million, 9.3 million, that are what are termed deeply underwater. They still exist. But then you factor in the people that are near underwater, then the number, again, is close to 20%. So the reality of it is is that it grabs the headline saying fewer people underwater. But you guys know, as well as I know, that when you go out and talk to a seller and you do a net sheet for them and you show them, hey, you're not underwater anymore, that's only really maybe a third of the battle. The next leg is... Uh, how are you going to pay your selling fees? And by the way, if you want to purchase something else, hopefully you've got some money under your mattress. Otherwise, it ain't going to happen. So keep those things in mind. And you guys got to be thinking with your heads when you hear little tidbits of information starting to come out. Think with your business person mind and you know, make sure your real estate cap is screwed on straight so that you can be uh, dissecting that information before you just start blindly believing it. So we're giving you the facts. Again, we're the only real estate agent-centric coaching company that there is. Our primary focus is giving you the information, puts you into action, and hopefully it will get you down the road. So, Julie, what's the next point? All right. So, again, just to make sure that they're totally clear on this, at nearly 40%, you're talking about the effective negative equity rate if we put everyone who's on the edge and everyone who's for sure upside down. You know, borrowers have less than 20% equity. That's still increasing. So to buy a new house, as you said, most homeowners probably need 20% equity. So moving on to how many we're talking about, well, what does that cause for people? More than 126,000 properties in the foreclosure process nationwide had a loan-to-value of 100% or lower in September, which represents 24% of homes in the foreclosure process. States with highest percentage of foreclosures with equity, so keep in mind, not all foreclosures are, you know, the traditional type. Some of these have real equity. That includes Oklahoma at 54%, Hawaii 51%, New York 47%, and Texas at 46%. States with the highest percentage of, now we're talking about deeply underwater homes or a loan to value of 125% or higher, meaning they owe at least 25% more than the house is worth, included Nevada, Illinois, Florida, Michigan, Rhode Island, and Ohio. So nationwide, 7.4 million homeowners with a mortgage had 50% equity or more, representing 16% of homeowners with a mortgage. Metro markets with highest percentage of homeowners with at least 50% equity included Honolulu, San Jose, Poughkeepsie, New York, Pittsburgh, San Francisco, and New York. So does the extension of the mortgage debt relief actually matter? Does it? That's the question. So, Julie, what I want to do is just let, make, making sure we can cover as much ground as possible on today's yep. show. You got it. We're not going to do a review of the Mortgage Debt Relief Act and blah, blah, blah. You guys know that That's we believe it was te- yep. it temp- right. it's temporarily, it was temporary uh, expired, let's call it that, and hopefully it will be renewed any month now. And when it does, it's our firm belief that it will be made ret- retroactive. But this is to answer the question, what happens if some black swan event happens in the political arena and it isn't extended? So let's talk about the fact that maybe the extension of the Mortgage Debt Relief Act for probably 99% of all the owners you ever deal with really doesn't matter. And again, this is going into the realm of the accounting legal advice that really we're only giving you the cursory information and we are not giving you legal or accounting advice. And it is your 
absolute imperative that you educate yourself by speaking to licensed professionals and that you also speak to uh, or advise your, your, coach, your coaching clients, listen to me, your real estate clients to do the exact same thing. So that is about as, as many disclaimers as I care to give in one radio show. So, Julie, let's jump right in. Okay, so the fact is, is mortgage debt that is forgiven by a lender is normally considered taxable income without the Mortgage Debt Relief Act, but the IRS is offering a way for people to avoid being taxed on forgiven mortgage debts. So, Jules, right where it says IRS insolvency clause, yep. could you read the next paragraph, please? Sure. You got it. So, again, IRS, it's called the insolvency clause. Homeowners that are facing a short sale or foreclosure and are worried about having to pay taxes on their forgiven debts may not be aware that they could qualify for tax relief through the IRS's insolvency clause. Now, this is independent of the Mortgage Debt Relief Act. This has been around always, uh, practically. With this clause, a seller is exempt from paying taxes on a forgiven debt to the extent that they are insolvent. What this means is that the amount of a seller's debts and liabilities is greater than their assets. So that's insolvency for you, right? The amount of the seller's debts and liabilities is greater than their assets by more than the portion of the debt forgiven. They are exempt from paying taxes on the forgiven debt. That's pretty there's major. An example. Well, there's an <laughs> yes, example that's example. coming up that – Yes, and by the way, guys, I found um, the backings of all this on the IRS's website, so you guys can get yeah, this information yourself. Yeah, it's pretty easy yourself. to find. Yeah, so and Julie's a smart agent over... would print it off and know yeah, what they're talking exactly. about. Yes. In the time okay. remaining, we're going to go over the example, the insolvency clause example. So go ahead, Jules. All right, perfect. And again, all this is at realestateinsidernews.com. So for this example, a homeowner has a house worth 200000 but a mortgage debt of three fifty. The owner short sells the home for 200000 which is what it's worth, and the bank forgives the remaining debt of 150000 This forgiven debt is initially treated as, quote, taxable income by the IRS. Now, the principles of the insolvency clause can be applied. First, add up all the debts and liabilities as well as your assets. The IRS expects you to list the mortgage debt as a liability and the fair market value of the house asset. If your total assets amount to 500,000 and your liabilities are 650, you have a $150,000 insolvency. So in this scenario, the insolvency amount of 150,000 matches the forgiven mortgage debt of 150,000, which makes the homeowner exempt from paying taxes on the forgiven debt. Every dollar of the forgiven debt is protected up to the insolvency amount. So if the insolvency in this scenario is 100,000, the homeowner would still pay income tax on the remaining 50000 of the forgiven debt. But I don't know about you, Tim, but if I think back to most of our real estate clients, trying to you know, prove insolvency really wouldn't be too much of a challenge. Most no, people have more debt than assets, especially yeah, in yeah. yeah, so again, you know, it's really critical that you guys understand how this works. And again, I, you know, it, the fact is, is if someone's uh, debts are greater than the amount that's being forgiven, their liabilities, and this is the case for most people, you can talk about credit card debt, car loans, um, you're talking about uh, student loans maybe, you're talking about who knows what else they might it's still owe money on. any kind of debt, on. correct? Not just house debt. Right, it's any kind of debt. But, you, you know, Julie, I'm not even sure if it, I think it might actually include debt from other mortgages. So if you have a rental Probably property does. that you're not short-selling, yeah. So it is any a liability. Kind of debt, right. Now, there are, again, this is a process that you have to send your clients through to talk with their CPA. But for the most part, everybody's going to qualify for essentially being insolvent in the United States. It's a sad but true fact. And uh, then they won't owe any mortgage debt. Now, there's your answer to your question, as many of you have had. What happens if it's not extended? In many cases, 
for many of your sellers, if it's not extended, and most likely in almost every example, they won't have any debt. They won't be they won't be liable for anything. Those of you who are in California, again, we're not accountants, we're not CPAs. That's disclaimer number six. Um, you aren't. Uh, they aren't going to be on the on the hook anyway. Now there are you know caveats to it, types of properties, types of mortgages. But again, for the most part, even if the Mortgage Debt Relief Act isn't extended, which again we know it will be, but even if it isn't, most of your owners won't be suffering any. Uh, consequences in terms of debt. Now, it is critical that you remember that when you're negotiating your short sale, and if you don't know how to do this, please don't even bother listing short sales, but you put something in there where the lender agrees not to pursue a deficiency judgment. We weren't talking about deficiency judgments today, were we? No, we were not. We were talking about the debt that is part of the Mortgage Debt Relief Act. We're talking about essentially what's going to happen if for some crazy black swan reason it isn't extended, again, which we think it will be, we're confident that it will be, but again, you're looking here at two different scenarios. You have your Mortgage Debt Relief Act, taxes that are due, and then you have your whole thing with deficiency judgments that when you're negotiating a short sale, that you correctly have essentially include into the negotiation that the lender is agreeing not to pursue a deficiency judgment. If you don't get that in writing from the lender, you can pretty much assume that down the road, that seller is going to be getting a nasty little call from a collections agent asking for the money that was forgiven on that loan. And you are then going to get a nasty little call from your seller asking why the heck you didn't advise them to get that removed from the loan get or get that removed from the final negotiation. This all goes back to the fact that you guys have to be very careful, and if you don't know what the heck you're doing, consider enrolling in our accredited short sale designation program and to get that education. Those of you who were enrolled a while ago, as I know thousands and thousands of you were, it's probably time that you brush off that education. Um, the ASD program, we're not going to increase the price. It's been $97 for the last four, or seven years, rather, and we're going to keep it at $97. So if you need to brush up on your short sale knowledge, Definitely re-enroll in that program. It's probably and always will be one of my favorite programs because, frankly, I know it's a program that we developed before all the other short sale education trainers and whatnot, and I think we really set the stage for helping, hopefully, millions of people figure out a graceful exit from their underwater mortgages. So, Julie, this is a boring topic for people that are not actually active in the business, mm -hmm. right? I mean, if, if you're not right. trying to be a listing agent, if you're just a buyer's agent, well, then you might not have to it. Yeah, this probably wasn't that interesting to you, but if you are going to be active in any market, any you know, it's funny some of the some of the hottest markets for the real estate recovery as Julie read the list, you know, your your Manhattans where people are always talking about how expensive everything yeah. is. Most of right. California, you know, this is the thing I say I, I just it boggles the mind, right? Nearly 30% year-over-year appreciation, quote-unquote, in Las Vegas, Nevada, and yet Las Vegas, Nevada has the highest percent of people that are still deeply underwater on their mortgages. How can well, both of those things exist? Well, just because it's, quote, recovering doesn't mean it's recovered, you know? Right. I mean, when you have a bad cold and you're feeling better the first day, that doesn't mean you're ready to run a marathon. You know, it's interesting, Julie. One of the things that I don't think uh, a lot of people expected was that underwater owners would just keep their houses. I mean, that's that's the little yeah. thing that doesn't really figure in. So we're reading all these statistics about these, you know, arguably close to 20 million people that are still underwater or near underwater on their mortgages. They really can't sell unless they're going to either write a check or, you know, do a short sale or lose it to foreclosure. But that doesn't mean they have to sell. So <laughs> there's a lot of, you know, 
Where am I going to get short sale leads? How do I go about getting leads? It, I think it's, you know, guys, clear in your, get, get clear in your head. In every state in the nation, there is a process that when someone misses a mortgage payment, there is going to be a list that is published where you can get access to that list and solicit those people for their short sales. Offer your services, letting them know what you can do to help them avoid foreclosure. There is no magic secret to you know getting handed short sale leads. There are obviously are still services that are doing it, but anymore, just get a list of the pre foreclosure that you know it's called list pens. It's called all kinds of different things, but get a list of the pre foreclosures and solicit them. You can get them from Foreclosure Radar if you want a discount on that. Um, you got to call our office direct at eight six six four two two nine four nine seven. 866-422-9497 and ask Rochelle for the discount code for uh, foreclosure radar and they'll send you all the seller's information how much they own the mortgages all the information that you need so when you're calling them you're fully prepared but again there's no shortage of underwater get. owners and there's not going to be a shortage of underwater owners anywhere in the country so Julie as I was going through this uh, we mm-hmm. were presenting this it's kind of technical information but it's, it's relevant sure. what were you thinking where's your mind go because I'm well, always thinking you know. about how are people translating this you know yeah, I, I think that now that uh, the word or the phrase, the topic short sale is not like, oh, what's that? You know, we're well through the woods on that. It's kind of normalized. And I always tell clients, you know, when we're selling, I mean, recession or not, upside down, underwater, partially underwater, there's lots of reasons people wind up having to do a short sale. What my mind goes to as a coach is, this is one of those things that as an agent, you don't want to say, oh, no, that's not something I can help you with. Oh, no, I'm going to have to refer you out to somebody or not even return the calls because somebody mentioned they might be a short sale, you know. So this is one of those things that, yeah, not only do you have to know about, but you should be good at and keep yourself frosty on this. Just like anything else you're doing, first-time buyers, relocation, becoming a great listing agent, this is one of the things that's necessary for great agents who want to make a lot of money. If you're not interested in that, well, just put it in the list of things that you're never going to learn. I don't recommend that. I don't think that's great, but, you know. Depends on what you're after, right? Sorry, Mr. Seller, I can't help you. I don't know how to do that aspect of my job. Very professional. Yeah, great. Right? <laughs> so, guys, one of the easiest yeah. ways to get a snapshot of how many people are in pre-foreclosure, which is what you want to be researching in your marketplace, is go to Zillow and then put in your zip That's code. Great. And then then there's a filter section. You'll see, like, there's a little red house and greenhouse. You guys will see it. It's up on the toolbar. I'm not going to, you know... I'm not going to do a tech call here for you. But basically go there and remove all of the – you're going to see, obviously, when you put in your zip code, you're going to see all the little you know, different colored houses. So remove all the displayed information the with, the exception, mm-hmm. with the exception of pre-foreclosures. And I'd probably also leave up on there um, like FISBOs so you can see those as well. Or, yep. And also look for, look for the help me – or I'm sorry, the make me moves. That's a different question, different conversation. But just look mm-hmm. at all the pre-foreclosures. And then start expanding the area. Maybe put in more than one zip code. And you're going to see a real snapshot of how many people are in pre-foreclosure. Depending on your state, that means they've missed one, two, or three payments. Not depending on your state, pretty much a national fact, is that once someone misses one payment, there's almost a 100% chance they're going to be in default. In other words, they're not going to ever make, catch the mortgage back up. So when you see someone has they, you know, is on the pre-foreclosure list, that is absolutely positively a house that will be sold. Uh, because they've already decided not to make the payment, unlike some people that are underwater and still making the payments. Lots of people doing that. So when you see that person that's not making their payment anymore, you know that they are either going to do a short sale or they're going to lose it to foreclosure. 
The loan mod, uh, you know, a lot of you were having to overcome the loan mod objection for years and years and years. Well, HAFA has expired. The loan mod world is coming to an end. A lot of the people with loan mods are going to fall back into default because their loan mods were for a temporarily lower interest rate, and that interest rate is adjusting now. In addition to that, the negative equity was not removed from the house. That's just a temporary solution, and we're on the other side of temporary now. Yeah, the can has been kicked to the end of the road, and you're up against the wall, and you're going to see that a lot of the people that you know you did BPOs for, a lot of the people that were doing loan mods, they're going to be on the, do- the default list again. So all of that is going to start coming unraveled in your marketplace. Will the improving market, the you know improving buyer demand, will all that be able to keep pace with the inevitable rise in inventory? Probably. Honestly, I think it will because I think there's enough pent-up demand out there. But in the meantime, take advantage of the market that you're being offered. You have to in this market not just know how to work short sales, not just know how to do BPOs, in many cases REOs, but you're going to have to get back to knowing how to work with normal sellers. You're going to have to dust off your skills. And again, a lot of you need help with that. Request a free coaching call at freecoachingcallsforagents.com. So in the meantime, we are going to wish you a brilliant weekend. And remember, if you need us for anything, the easiest way to get hold of us is just go to freecoachingcallsforagents.com and request your free coaching call. Julie and I are keeping ourselves on that roster for the next two weeks. So if you want to schedule a call with us, there's probably still spots. Don't be surprised if you have to schedule a week or two out. Um, If you need to call the office directly, if you're an existing student, you obviously get priority for free coaching calls. Um, Again, freecoachingcallsforagents.com or just call the office directly, 866-422-9497. Have a brilliant weekend, everyone. Talk to you on Monday. This program has been a presentation by Tim and Julie Harris, Real Estate Coaching. For more information on our real estate coaching and training programs, visit our website at timandjulieharris.com. Remember to tune in weekdays at noon for upcoming shows. And until next time, thank you for listening to Real Estate Coaching Radio with Tim and Julie Harris. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.